This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Harold Shelton, Senior Research Manager for the Big Ten Network, the BTN. Kind enough to join us. He was here last week. He dropped the knowledge and he gave me the under and saying how many Big Ten teams would make to the Sweet 16. Harold, one team is still there. It's a familiar team, but it's just one. Um, I guess what what separated Michigan State from everybody else because everybody thought that Purdue was a lock. Uh, I think guards. Uh, March, you need guards to win. Uh, you need some athleticism to win. I feel like having the trio of Walker, Hogarth, and Aikens is able. You're able to separate yourselves from the rest of the league. I would say the teams that performed the best out of the Big Ten in the tournament were teams that had really good guards. Northwestern has a really good backcourt. Penn State's got a really good backcourt. Michigan State's got a good backcourt. So I felt like those three probably played the best of the eight teams that were there. And as we saw, Penn State gave Texas all it could handle. You know, they're up, you know, with under four to go. And Northwestern's right there with, you know, arguably one of the the picks to win the whole thing in UCLA. So I thought the the guard play was the biggest difference for me. I mean, let's before we get into Michigan State and their advances to the Sweet 16, why did the Big Ten fail? Because there's really no other way to put it. When Purdue – to put things in perspective, the loss that they had to Fairleigh Dickinson, if they played the – was it University uh, of Maryland, University. Baltimore? Yeah, that – they would have been underdogs by eight points. That's how bad of an upset this was. I mean, this may be the second time, but this team won four games last year. They they weren't supposed to be there, but due to the stupid NCAA rules, Merrimack couldn't go. Why did the Big Ten fail on the grand stage like this? So I think of the eight teams that we got, Technically, only two are supposed to advance. Now, obviously, Purdue losing the way that they lost, there's no excuse for that. You know, I thought they would lose in the second round. Um, I definitely didn't think they would lose in the first. I just think, and it's been a pattern for Purdue, when they get in these games with these teams that they're supposed to beat, if they don't pull away, they get really tight. And we saw it against North Texas. We saw it against St. Peter's. And we saw it against Fairleigh Dickinson. For whatever reason, they couldn't push it out. And as they kept answering, you know, and they're going blow for blow, you could tell guys didn't want to shoot. Like Mason Gillis had the ball a couple of times. He right. passed it off. <laughs> Braden Smith would have it. He passed it off. And then – That's your lawyer. Didn't want the shot. <laughs> right. And so, like, it got to a point where Gillis airballed a three with, like, three minutes to go. And I turned to my wife and I said, you're going to lose this game. Like, they are completely petrified of the moment right now. 
And the fact that Zach Eady had one shot in the last 11 minutes of the game, considering that they were the smallest team in the country, like, mm -hmm. you can't have that. Let's just dive right into it, the elephant in the room. What does Purdue do with Matt Painter? Because, I mean, I saw a meme, and it was funny, but it was like Purdue's the only university where it's easier to send a man to the moon than to make the Final Four. That's cold, but – Accurate, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, 1980, I mean, that's the last time they've been there, and, they, and they've had tons of pros, and they've won a lot of Big Ten titles and you know, a couple of Big Ten tournament titles. But I think it's just one of those, like, you got to be careful what you wish for. And, like, we've seen programs think that they can, you know, take a, a step and make mm -hmm. a couple bad hires, and then you're Georgetown and you're Louisville. Yeah. And so I would just say – Maybe you need to change some philosophy in terms of the guys that you're bringing in. Maybe you need to get more athletic, not necessarily build around, you know, a 7-2 guy, whether it was Isaac Haas or Edie or Matt Harms, whatever the case may be. Maybe get some more athletic guards and wings, more Jaden Ivy types in the program. I understand you're not going to try to go get McDonald's guys, but you can still find athletic players in that, you know, 50 to 100 range and still run your system. I think that's probably the best way to go. I'd be well, I mean, yeah, that was Jay Knight. He was, I think, 75th because I always laugh and tell people, like, I don't think people realize A.J. Hogarth was actually ranked higher than him coming out of high school. But you couldn't see because one is in the NBA and one's still at MSU. But, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a change of you can't run your offense through the big man because, yeah, the NCAA tournament, I've said it before, too, it's about your backcourt. If you got experience in the backcourt, you can win without NBA players because they won't panic. They know how to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And the closest they got, we saw in 2019 because Carson Edwards went crazy. And, again, athletic guard, stuff breaks down. I can go get a bucket when I need to or I can get it to somebody who can't. And, you know, Ryan Klein was a shooter that was with them. Like, that's what you need to advance in this tournament. It's not this yeah. elite big man. We've seen Kofi Coburn. We've seen Luca Garza. We've seen TJD. We've seen all of these bigs in the Big Ten that have been first team All-Americans, Big Ten player of the year, none, you know, getting to the Sweet 16 or none getting to the lead edge. So, so to me, it's all about guards. No, you're right. And then, I mean, can you say the same for Indiana? Because I, I thought that maybe they would be one of the teams that would advance, but they ran into Miami and – it was just a Trace Jackson Davis show, and everybody seemed to sit around and watch, just like I predicted. Yeah, I think that was the the way they lost was really strange to me, just because Miami, you don't see them as a physical team or a tall team. And, I mean, they out-rebounded them by 17. Like, that right. shouldn't happen. Right. Um, you know, Miami's got good guards, and so you would expect them to, to play well there with Wong and Nigel Pack and guys like that. But, you know – We've just seen Indiana be so inconsistent the whole year. The fact that Mike Woodson had to yell to the guys to wake up in a tournament game, like, that's a problem. Like, that should never be an issue. You should never not be focused, especially in a toss-up game like that. It's not like they were playing, you know, a 15 or 16 seed and kind of walking through. I mean, this is a 4-5 game. Like, they're clearly talented right. enough where they can beat you if you don't come to play. They didn't come to play, and guards didn't make shots. And like you said, it was Trace and everybody else at the end of the day. Yeah, I consider the 4-5 game the glorified 8-9. It's the step above. But you know what? You should be in it. That's a that's a, 
you know, it was like Maryland found a way to win, but, you know, other teams did not. It's just, I don't know, just the Big Ten just overall need to change their style because if MSU doesn't win the title, the streak continues since 2000, the last time they won the national title. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you've had several teams get really close but just never finish the deal, whether that was Wisconsin in 2015 or Michigan a couple times or, uh, you know, Illinois got there, Michigan State got there again, Ohio State got there. Like, there's been several teams that have been knocking on the door. and We can get to the final weekend as a conference, but we can't win that final game. And that has been the biggest issue. And, you know, unfortunately, as a league, we haven't had a lot of, you know, lottery pick type guards. We haven't had those super athletic guys. You know, we get one here or there, but we're not getting a bunch of them in a row. And again, that's that's what you need at the end of the day to win this thing. Right. So now Michigan State's the only team to advance. And, and Harold, is it, it's almost going to sound like a cliche, but the reason that separated them from all the close games and any other teams in the Big Ten is it just the guy on the end at the end of the bench that's the head coach of the team and Tom Izzo? I mean, that record in the, in the second game of a weekend is crazy. I mean, 24 and 7 now. So if you're right. including the second round, Elite Eight, National Championship game, I mean, 24 and 7 is pretty ridiculous. Um, if you go and look at the, the history of the tournament, you go from since when the Sweet 16 started in 1975. Big 10, it's Indiana 17, Tom Izzo 15. Right. Like, he has more than every other school in that span, and yeah. he's only been doing this since 98. Yeah, I so think he's, he's – yeah, Indiana, he's tied with Michigan as a whole with 15. Right. As, and, and I mean, and they're also – I hate to say – they're more dangerous, it seems like, when they're a six or a seven or an eight type of seed rather than a one or a two. Because, yeah, I saw that he has the most upset wins in yep. the tournament. So, yeah, when they going up against Marquette, this is a team that's, you know, one of the top scoring teams. Now, how in the world did they keep Marquette to 60 points? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I feel like Marquette wants to play fast. They want to run up and down. They want to you know, do, your, do the havoc thing like Shaka used to do at VCU or right. press and trap you and all of that. And if they can't force the turnovers, though, the defense after that is pretty shaky. So I think Michigan State, they would try to score early if it was there. And then if it wasn't, all right, we'll just run our stuff. And then we'll make sure that you don't get it on the other end because they're not a good rebounding team, as we saw. So Marquette didn't have that chance to, all right, Michigan State gets one shot, they get the ball, they go run their break. 
everybody's back. Or Michigan State is scoring off a second chance or Tyson Walker making a great play. So I just didn't think, you know, once they got punched in the mouth early, I felt like Marquette was kind of on their heels for a while. They found their footing. And then it was back and forth most of the way in that second half. But I just don't know if they've seen physicality like that. I know the Big East is a good league, but I don't know if they were ready for those guards. I mean, yeah, Tyler Cole. I mean, I guess two straight games, whether it was Boogie Ellis, Tyler Kolick, he was the Big East player of the year. Literally was on the – I was watching the game, talking to a buddy of mine, was like, one of these guys is the player of the year, but I couldn't tell you because normally that's the person that you rise above. And you're like, yep, that's it. He is him. Boogie Ellis, seven points. Tyler Kolick, 7.6 turnovers. It's like we were talking about it on the show yesterday. They brought back that old school Michigan State game plan. Jerseys might as well have been done by Mitchell and Ness because it was defense and it was rebounded. Two for 16, three. I mean, if, if somebody told you they would go two for 16, or I think like, what, six for 30 in the entire tournament, you would have said, oh, they got bounced early. They couldn't throw a penny in the ocean. They hit their very first three. They hit their last three and somehow still managed to win that game. Yeah, it's interesting because, like you said, you know, if you include the Ohio State game on top of it, they're 10 for 46 in their last three games from three. Wow. And so the fact that they're able to win two of those and the, the two most important ones, it just goes to show that they're they're finding ways to win. And maybe, you know, all of the adversity that they dealt, dealt with through the season kind of helped them for this moment. And, like, I hope it's not that simple like it shouldn't have taken you 12 losses to to lock in but maybe you know going through the tough schedule and playing the, the gonzagas and the alabamas early and you know going through a rugged big 10 where anybody could beat anybody on a given night and you know going through the, the iowa collapse maybe all of that hardened them to the point where they could just figure out different ways to win you know the fact that they didn't make these threes but scored 32 points in the paint in both of the tournament games, I, it's a complete difference from what it's been earlier in the year. They only had that number six times all year. And then the fact that they did it, you know, in back to back games when it mattered the most, this goes to show that uh, there's more than one way to win for this Michigan State team. Yeah. And then when Tyson Walker finally kind of took over the game, went on a, his own little 10 point, scored 10 straight in the game. I mean, the step back, the layup that looked like it was one of those, no, 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 no. Okay, he made it. And then, you know, the steal and just kind of dunk, put the exclamation point on the game. Going back to New York now, going up against Kansas State, but Kansas State's got a point guard from New York that they actually played, I guess, against each other back since middle school and in AAU. Simple question. I mean, we don't have to break down any other team but MSU because they're the only one. What do they have to do if they want to continue just looking at Kansas State and what Kansas State offers? So uh, Kansas State's another team that wants to play fast. So I think it's one of those things where if you got a chance, you can score early, cool, but don't get up and don't get in the up and down game with them. You know, early break, you know, first five seconds, if it's there, go get a layup, go get a dunk. You know, open three in transition, sure. Other than that, run the clock, get you a good shot. Um, Kansas State, they turn it over a lot, but they like to force turnovers. They're, they're very similar to Marquette. I do think that their guards are a little better than Marquette's. Um, obviously, you know, Noel is a problem. You know, Keontae Johnson is really good. The Florida transfer. 
Uh, but again, another tall, not that tall team. You know, Michigan State's issue all year has been teams with dominant bigs, and this right. is another matchup where they don't have that. Now they've got some size, they've got some athleticism, but it's certainly a matchup where I think they can win. They're not deep at all. But the biggest thing is they hold teams under 30% from three. Now, you would think on the surface that's a problem. But Marquette wasn't a good three-point defense. And Michigan State couldn't make anything. So right. maybe the law of averages kicks in here. And you would, I mean, they had great looks, but they oh, just perfect. weren't falling. And from good shooters. I mean, Aiken's a good shooter, Hauser, yeah. Walker. You know, the fact that it was A.J. Hogar hitting the first one, who was probably the fourth or fifth best shooter on the team, and you had all these other guys taking shots that couldn't make them until Joey made that last one. I mean, yeah, when AJ made the first one, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a long night. But that was like, yeah, I didn't know that would be the only one. We're sitting there looking like, have they made another one? And we looked at the stat sheet, nope. And then Joey hits that one, and that was a separator. So, Harold, I'm, I'm looking at it. This is one where the remaining teams, whether it's uh, Florida Atlantic and Tennessee – if they make it past Kansas State, any one of those teams <clears throat> you think could trip them up? Or is this something where – I said it reminded me a lot of the 2015 run where they got past Virginia, and after that, it was tough games. It was the Louisville game went to overtime, but they were able to make it through at Syracuse, and they ended up going to what their, at that time, seventh Final Four. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. I know we talked about the 2015 parallels last week. And, you know, getting past the two seed. And they were seven seed in the East, by the way. Yep, seven seed in the East. Going to New York now. Went to New York in 15. Played a Big 12 team in the Sweet 16 in Oklahoma with Buddy Hill. Now you're playing another Big 12 team. It's a lot of parallels here. And I believe in that game, Michigan State was a one-and-a-half point favorite, which is what they are now. Yep. I think it's interesting that they're favored as a seven seed. So, again, I think Kansas State's a, a really good team, but I think they overachieved – this year, I don't know if they're necessarily three seed good. It's certainly a, a game that Michigan State can lose if they don't bring it. But they've been really focused these last two games. And I feel like if they do that again, they should win. If they wind up playing Tennessee, that would be tough. Probably the best defense in the country. Not super tall, but just long, athletic, super physical. You saw Duke didn't want anything to do with them. They right. got hit in the face a couple times early. And they just say, you know what? We're just going to shoot threes. We don't even want to go inside. And so I remember in October, Michigan State had the secret scrimmage with Tennessee. Right. They had the secret scrimmage with Tennessee, and no one knew the score. I believe Tennessee won, but from everything I heard and read was you know, Michigan State gave them all they could handle, and Tennessee was expected to be a you know top 10, top 15 team. And now they're minus – what? Their, their point guard is out. Injured. Yeah. So – that could be the difference. So, could be. Uh, so, Harold, this time next week, we got any Big Ten teams still left in this tournament? Well, I picked one to get to Houston, and that one is still here. So I'm going to ride with it. All right. Well, Harold, appreciate you coming on. We'll be back next week, win or lose. We'll wrap this season up and kind of preview the Final Four. Could still be talking about a Big Ten team in Michigan State. Harold, appreciate your time, man. You once again dropped the knowledge. I will have you back on next week. So book your Tuesday. It's going to happen, my brother. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. All right. For Hell Sheldon, I'm Rico Beard. Thanks for listening and watching the Five Star Zone. Keep liking, keep subscribing, tell your friends. We'll be back next week.